brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Maureen in New Zealand, good morning to you on this uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, finally, we've uh, had the announcement, uh, so we can supposedly get on. Uh, we've got uh, an interesting show because uh, for the first hour, we're going to ask for your opinions. I'll uh, give you the opportunity to uh, open up the, the lines and just say, look, how you feel about it now that it's uh, done and dusted. Are there any, any sympathisers out there for Ian Foster and all of this? Um, uh, I'd love to hear uh, your opinion on air. Uh, on how you feel that this has been dealt with, um, where does it uh, where does it leave? You know, New Zealand rugby as such would love to hear your opinions. So uh, we'll open up the lines: oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That'll uh, try and uh, get us through the first uh, hour. Uh, we'll have reaction from uh, Joey Wheeler, uh, Carmo, of course, Chris Foy out of uh, England, um, and we'll take your texts as well on double eight double three and uh, read those out just after nine thirty. Um, we may, um, uh, if the calls aren't sufficient enough, uh, change the topic to, uh, the topic to football and uh, perhaps uh, hear from uh, All Whites veteran defender Tommy Smith. Uh, after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll change tack and go uh, with some netball with uh, Storm Purvis. Uh, we're into uh, seriously into the ANZ uh, competition and um, it's been interesting. Um, what's happened to the steel? Uh, can't buy a result. Absolutely can't. Andrew Gordy and Hamish Bidwell, two very opinionated journalists, uh, will be with us in the panel at around 10.20 this morning. Uh, pretty obvious what we'll be talking about. After 11 o'clock, uh, we should be talking to uh, Gary Stead uh, with a report card on the, the test series uh, uh, over the last uh, three to four weeks. In fact, um, almost the full stop on uh, the summer of cricket, isn't it? Uh, still some white ball cricket to be played against Sri Lanka. Uh, 11.45... We shall be uh, with Andy Thompson because it's uh, Wednesday and that means it's Rural Roundup Day for Andy on our stations outside of uh, Auckland and Wellington. Staff, of course, will still be there at 12 o'clock with his normal show for those uh, Wellington and Auckland listeners. So that's our show. We'll have a stump smithy too uh, around about 11.30 this morning. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon. So we're all happy now, are we? Can we get on with life? Razor's got the job. Hallelujah. Five Robertson headlines on stuff at 7 o'clock this morning. One for the Minister of Finance. You know him, Grant. Uh, he's Deputy Prime Minister as well. Uh, he's the one in charge of the country's purse strings. Trivial matters like the economy and financial direction we're supposed to be heading in. Menial stuff, really, all of that. Four for Scott and the drama surrounding his appointment to a job clearly more important. Yes, the direction and path of the future All Blacks and where they are heading, where they are heading. Not these All Blacks, no, not these ones that are supposed to be winning us a World Cup in a matter of months. Ian Foster's All Blacks, remember them? The fact that I'm uh, saying this, I guess, means I have to include myself in this rather large, pathetic bunch. Look, Ray's is a good man with a top record. That's plain to see. But we don't know how he will go as an All Black coach. Like all appointments, it comes with hope, but no guarantees. So just as we now no, Ian Foster's successor, way before we needed to, I might add. Surely uh, we are about to hear who is replacing Dame Patsy Reddy and Mark Robinson well before they've finished their respective jobs. I mean, surely we're looking for consistency here, aren't we? After all, they're the ones who have presided over this whole messy saga. 
It's been an utter shamozzle for way too long, and a result there is a lot more. As a result, there's a lot more pressure on Scott Robertson than he even realises now. So all you Razor fans, now that you've got your way going forward, show some decency, either shut up about the current campaign or throw a little bit of support behind it. Or is the All Black performance going into the World Cup, Cup not the issue here? Maybe for some it never has been. Oh, and yes, so where was Razor breaking out into a break dance at yesterday's press conference? Or has he already had a change in direction himself? Nine oh seven here on SCNZ. Uh, ask for your calls, uh, Dino. Not surprisingly, first uh, on uh, the cab, uh, first cab off the rank this morning. Dino coming in from uh, Dunedin, of course. Happy man this morning, Dean. Good morning to you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I love the media though, Smithy. Like I, I, do, I turn the radio, uh, the TV off. I listened to Robinson on um, Izzy this morning, and I put a few questions through, but they didn't ask them. And uh, I turned it off. I don't want to hear them. Like, I hear what you're saying in your sermon. I totally agree. Like, I mean, you know my opinion on Foster, and I feel sorry for the bugger. Honest truth, I, I, I do. But I don't understand how he can move forward from here. Like, I'm wrapped for Razor. They show the breakdancing all the time. I don't get it. Why don't they just show 7-0? When he took over the Crusaders, wasn't going too flash. There's no doubt in my mind that he will get the All Blacks back on track. The cattle are here. There's an awesome under-20 tournament going on right now. But you can see, it's plain for everyone to see. We've just got to get some consistency of selection, some consistency right through the board. But then that's elected by Southland, Otago, Taranaki, Manawatu, Hawke's Bay, Everyone elects these board members to go and make the decisions. But we've got to have a real look in the mirror when we clean our teeth as to who the people are we're putting forward. Because it has been a, it's an embarrassment, Smithy. Total embarrassment. Well, there's a lot of, uh, Dean, that I think you'll find uh, a portion of the board is independent. Uh, they're not uh, put up, they're uh, independent um, nominees. Uh, they are not... Um, put forward by uh, a lot of these uh, provincial unions, which I, I I suppose still have the power of New Zealand rugby, but I I, I, I se- severely doubt it, mate. Don't you? Mate, I don't even know. Like I wouldn't have a clue. I'd love give Laurie Mains a ring. Get him on the. He'll know. Because even even when we've had Saga right through, and I, we should have. To be brutally honest, there should be a bit of. I think this guy's better, or this lady's better, whatever it is, but. We've, you've got to, like, I'm just pleased that Razor's sort of proven a pathway, and if he takes Leon, and if he takes, I can't remember the guy's name from Wellington, or, or whoever, I don't care. If they've done their apprenticeship here in New Zealand, and they're going to put their gonads on the line as well for the same criticism, but I've got absolutely no doubt that so long as we can maintain Ryan and Razor and whoever else he selects, we'll be fine. Absolutely fine. Like I, I look at the Super Rugby, and I can't for the life of me figure out why 
And it's more lies from the NZRFU. They've just sheltered Foster, get him out of the way, and get come back in a couple of weeks when this has sort of died down a wee bit. Just tell the truth. But why? Why shelter him? Like, he should be here. Like, we see steady eddies at every game in Australia, and the media over there love him again. Like, they despised the man 10 years ago. Now he's a, now he's mm. a, he's a cult hero. But he's at all the games watching who he believes will fit the Wallaby jersey. He's not interested in, he'll listen to other people's opinion, but he knows the buck stops with him. And as he said on his show, what golf clubs raise it? Well, he's the driver. He's been the driver all his bloody life. When he was an all-black, the players with him, seen him helping out with all-black trainings, and they knew he was going to be some sort of coach in time. So it's, the writing's been on the wall for him for a long time. I'm just pleased we've got him and Ireland haven't, because they're going great guns. And I, I think more was in the dressing shed with them when I seen it on the TV. No, I didn't know he'd been snapped up already, but he's a quality coach as well. And the guy, Rennie, like, I could see him fitting in somewhere. Like You don't want to lose the experience of Dave Rennie. And if culture's anything to do with any selection criteria now, he's the man for that. He's awesome at it. Not that I think it's got anything to do with sport. You just get out there and mm. you don't want to play, go home. It's pretty simple. I love the fact that we've got Razor. I really, really do. They're not surprising points because you have been, um, you know, you've been very consistent in your view for, you know, as long as I've been listening to you, to be fair. So, um, you know, and as far as I'm concerned, I mean, you know, I've just, I just, I'm a Kiwi and a a devout All Black supporter and I just like to throw my weight behind whoever's doing the job for us uh, on and off the field at that time. And I don't feel as if, uh, in this con- uh, this particular era, that has been the case. I think you know it's a sad, sad indictment uh, when you want a guy, you will a guy in an All Black coaching situation to lose, and, and that is you, that can't be denied. There are people around this country who have hoped and willed the All Blacks. We've had texts to that effect that they lose, so something will happen. That's not me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I t- totally agree. And I've been one of those ones that said, I said to you, I guessed, and I, d- I said, I hope I'm wrong, that we'd be 4-1 at the start of the Irish series. We'd lose to Ireland, and maybe... Uh, I thought Ireland would win the last test, because we were... I mean, All Blacks would win the last test, because Ireland had won the series, and they'd have no more Guinness mm-hmm. in New Zealand. And then we'd go to South Africa, and we'd get donkey dicks. And I mean, if they didn't take Khaleesi off, I honestly think we would have. But they did that on purpose to see two things, how they would go without that man. And if you look at the history of World Cup, this is the next dilemma we've got. Right through from 1987, the teams have been won by the team with the best captain. Every single one of them. And we certainly don't have that either. And that's under the same regime. It's exactly the same thing we're talking about with the coach. The public are talking through this avenue we have with SCN Sport. Thank God we actually have a little bit of a voice. But it hasn't fallen on deaf ears in this instance. And we've got other issues. We've got a classic captain in waiting. And for me, Smithy, I'll finish now, but for me the highlight of the whole dilemma yesterday as it unfolded is Razor didn't even have a lot of the answers himself. He was trying to think off the cuff, which I think is great because he made a good fist of it. 
But the CEO, and I don't even know his name of the Crusaders, he had bloody tears in his eyes. That, for me, is the passion I want from everybody. And I don't get how Ian can think he's actually worthy of the job. I hate, I feel sorry for his mum and dad if they're still alive. Like, it's just, it's horrible. And it's not New Zealand, mm. or maybe it's New Zealand. But I'm it is New here. Zealand. Sorry. It is New Zealand now, Dean. Uh, hey, mate, oh, I've really enjoyed your call. Um, made some really valid points. And the one so, uh, one thing I will say about you, uh, Dean, is you've been consistent from uh, go to woe. And uh, let's hope it's woe now and we can just get on with things. Um, good points, mate. Uh, have a great day. Um, must catch up and uh, have a bevy at some point as well. I think it'll be a long, long chat when we do. Um, Mikey from uh, Christchurch has called in as well. G'day, Mikey. Oh, hi, hi, Ian. Hey, um, yeah, wow, that's a powerful sermon. I, I, I'll say one thing um, that I really do agree with you. And look, at the end of the day, we are New Zealand fans and always should be. I don't think that should stop criticism of a coach but that should always want us to our team to win um, every time. Mm. I hope we win the uh, World Cup. I don't think we'll win the World Cup, but that's not me going out there and cheering them on and hoping they do it. Um, I think our, if we've got anger or um, upset about anything, it should be firmly directed at the NZRU. They mm. put, us, they put um, the two coaches in this mess, and it's probably still a mess, and I think the reverberations will be felt for some time after this. Um, yep. I know uh, Ray's is going to get a bit of criticism, hasn't even coached a game for the All Blacks yet, but that's, I guess, the nature of the beast at the moment. Um, but yeah, if, if I'm angry about anything, it's the NZRU. And I think uh, Mark Robinson especially, and some of that board have got a lot to answer for, for what has been, as you say, quite an unsavoury couple of years. Uh, it Mikey, very valid point. I'll ask you two questions. Um, I think if we win this World Cup, um, because of you look at the draw uh, that we've got uh, on our side of the draw, if we win this World Cup, I think it'll be one of the hardest ones we've ever won, right? That just looking at the yep. path to win this one on our side of the yep, draw. So, draw. Yep. so you agree with that. The second thing is, yeah. uh, if we did manage to win it, if we did manage to win it, we get through, and it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. How much credit do you think Ian Foster will get? Well, he's got to get quite a lot because, because if you get the criticism for the poor results after the last three years, but then all of a sudden you have some great results at the World Cup, well, you can't mm. criticise someone for doing badly and then not praise them for doing well. You can't have two. You can't have, what is it, mm. the old cake and eat it too? So if the yep. All Blacks do well, then of course he's got to get the praise. Absolutely. And, and if he does win the World Cup... Um, Quite rightly, he'd probably be able to write his own check for whatever job he has in the future. Yeah, I, I hope I, I hope it pans out from uh, you know um, because it it's been tough time, a really really tough time. I know it's it comes with the territory at times, uh, Mikey. The the All Black job. I mean, to me, it's probably outside the Prime Minister um, one of the most talked about jobs in the country. Uh, to be honest, yeah. Uh, so you, li yeah, you mean, live with that mantle when you take it on. You live with that, and you live with all yeah. the issues that come with it. But Ian Foster's had more issues than um, than most I can remember. Yep. But also remember uh, Graham Hart. He he came in for a lot of criticism back in the day. Um, even mm. Laurie Maines got quite a bit of criticism back in the day as yep. well. So yeah, I guess I guess now we're in a, a bit more of a social media age. Um, 
you know, you're getting lots of texts by, by the sounds of things that are mm. that are probably slightly unsavoury as well. Um, probably that never happened in the past. It was just people writing to the paper or phoning up an old tour back yeah. station or something like that. So, yeah, you're a little bit more exposed now, I guess. Cheers, Mikey. Uh, some terrific no points worries. there. Um, hope you have a great day, mate, and, and I, I really appreciate you, you really calling. Uh, you know, John Hart, you're, you're right. I think there was an anti-John Hart thing there for a while and a, certainly an anti-Auckland thing because Auckland was so damn dominant. Um, so people hated them. And people, you know, people just traditionally hate Auckland teams anyway. Uh, Laurie Maines was um, a controversial sort of a bloke, very outspoken. Uh, so he was always going to have um, supporters and always going to have enemies. Uh, but he lived with that. He ran with that. Um, he didn't mind it. Jared, g'day, Jared. How are you? Good for the here going, mate. Nice to be on the show again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for thanks for calling, man. Yeah, hey, for the. Um, I've got to say, I was, I was listening uh, and watching the uh, the press conference yesterday, and, and um, I thought it was great. Really, I, I was quite blown away uh, of the emotion that that Razor showed and. Uh, I really felt uh, really happy for him, and I just think it's been so bloody long uh, that he's finally got the job. I, personally, I thought he should have got the job in the first instance, uh, but he missed out. And I just think mm. it's just got worse over time by the inaction of the rugby union by not making a bloody decision. And I, I do feel sorry for Foster. I don't think he's the same calibre as, as uh, Razor, but. They could have made a decision earlier than later um, and, and gave some clarity. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't believe... It was quite amazing listening yesterday to the, on, on um, Kirsty and Beaver's show. Uh, there was so much uh, voice and enthusiasm for the decision, and not just in Christchurch. I think generally right around the country, uh, the, the public have spoken, really. Um, and I, I think... Uh, Sure, it's probably a bit late with the World Cup this year, but I think at least everyone knows where they're going and we can move on. Um, but I'll tell you what, Smithy, one thing I really love about Razor, and, and it's watching him at the press conference yesterday, considering what he's had to deal with and all the speculation over the last year or so, uh, is the enthusiasm that he still has for, mm. for the job that he's going to take over. You can see it. He, He's like a kid in a candy store there yesterday watching him. He's keen as mustard, and I, I, I admire him for that. Uh, and I think that's uh, what we, we have in store when he takes over, because uh, if we all know Razor, he brings uh, a passion uh, and, and, and uh, a calmness to situations, and you don't win titles uh, like that for no reason. And... Mm. Not many people know he, he he was coaching well before he played. You know he was coaching some of the rugby um, uh, in his early days. Uh, you know he, he he's worn the the Canterbury and, and he's worn the All Black ju- uh, jumper. Uh, he's he's a very passionate rugby man, and I, I just think it it was a good result yesterday. And finally, we know and we can move along. Yeah, uh, look, I. Totally agree with your sentiments. I'm, I'm just damn glad there's a full stop on the whole thing. Uh, Jared, I, I, I totally concur. Uh, I've seen Razor Robertson, I've interviewed him a number of times. Win, lose or draw, he is very passionate about rugby. 
about the Crusaders, and now we will see that passion with the All Blacks. There's not denying that, and I'm not saying that for one second that this is a bad decision. I'm just saying, thank God it's happened. That's really, that, that to oh, me. I, I, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I know where you're coming from, and, and you've, yeah. you've, 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 spo- you've spoken all the way through in the last year. Just make a bloody decision because it's just been dragged on. Yeah. And that's, and that's um, made it harder, hasn't it? The, the, the decision for me um, should have been made quite some time ago. Um, and those are the people that are at fault. So, hey, Jared, have a terrific day. Thank you very much. Cliff from Dunedin. Cliffy, how are you, my friend? Yeah, good morning, Smitty. Yeah, I think if they didn't make the decision, you know, at the start of the year, they should have made it after the World Cup. Because at the end of the day, they, they just... If I was Fozzie, I'd be thinking, well, I've got no support here. The board, the chief executive, they don't think much of me, but they've given me another length of rope. And if I win, I can walk away and uh, like Steve Hansen and the previous guys before with a bit of mana behind me. If I lose, I'll go down as one of the worst. You know what I mean? So mm. to me, it all comes back to the board. They... They fluff around. You know, I always think back of, of the chief executive. He was in that dark hotel room in South Africa with no lights on, making back room comments about the team, about what could have been. And, and there was no future. This That guy deserved to be sacked then. You know, we got a new board chairman woman come in and nothing's changed. And, and like you say, the, the board... It's too separate from the from the community. You know, there's no... In the, in the day, 20 years ago, when the All Blacks played, probably 50 or 60% of the people in New Zealand would have sat and watched that game and would have been begging for a win. Now we'd be lucky if it's 15 or 20%. And a lot of them don't care. They don't care if we win or lose because they're not sure who, who they're really supporting. You know, whether they're supporting the coach or whether the captain... You know, there's anti-captain feeling, there's anti-coach feeling, there's anti-board feeling, anti-executive feeling. So we don't need all that. We just want everybody to support the team, the black. That's the way it should be. Couldn't agree more, uh, Cliff. And, you know, and that's the way it always has been. You're dead right. I mean, (laughs) no one's mentioned Sam Kane for a while. I mean, he must be feeling so relieved, Sam Kane, that he can just get on and play some rugby without his... uh, his head basically in a noose as well, um, you know. Uh, so <laughs> it, it's been. Well, I think he'll stay. I, I think I think he he will be um, the All Black captain going forward because I, I think even right now, uh, wherever he and Foster is in the world, right now, um, I think he's just going to close ranks and be as determined as he possibly can be to prove a whole lot of people wrong. Um, and you know, and I think he'll close ranks with those people he's had faith in, um, and uh, that's the way I, I would be approaching it if I was him. He is going to take the team to the World Cup, and and his goal now, for a number of extra reasons, is to win the damn thing. I would be thinking, and if it isn't, well, I'm wrong. Simple as that. It's a, it's a, it's nine twenty six. Uh, we'll take a break, take a break, and uh, let some of the steam dissipate.
Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, don't mind that actually, it's a pretty cool piece of music to throw in at this particular time, it's uh, 9.34 here on SNZ, uh, we've got some clips to play but let's uh, read two or three of the texts out as well and uh, might uh, have another call or two coming through, um, let's uh, look uh, Jeremy, yeah, Jeremy came in straight after 9 o'clock, let's uh, do it uh, chronologically if you like. I uh, thought your comments to Izzy and Kempi were great, it's not a, a great situation really, if Fozzie wins the World Rugby World Cup, have you really appointed the best option in Razor? Well, uh, you know, I think the the good news is um, uh, through this, or uh, it causes debate, and people generally debate and get uh, quite emotive in their debates because they care, uh, and I, I think that's a massive thing, and people certainly care about this issue. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Charlie, morning, Smithy. The question New Zealand rugby won't answer is, had New Zealand lost the second test against South Africa, would Ian Foster have been sacked and Scott Robertson be appointed? Well, I've heard uh, rumours, and that was when I was around the rugby scene as such, that they'd basically gone to his house, Scott Robertson. Uh, um, and they'd, I think they'd asked him about that whole thing. I mean, so did it really, the whole issue, did it come down to the last seven or eight minutes at Ellis Park? Did it? The whole, is, that how, is that how fine lo- the line was? How... how, how, how thin the piece of rope was at that point goodness me um, if it was that tenuous then hmm. morning smithy to all those redneck crusader supporters that if Razor doesn't get the job done you won't support the All Blacks put your big boy pants on and stop putting the pre-verbal you know what into Fozzy and either stop watching or get behind him and the All Blacks have been around a long time I haven't always agreed with coach or player selection but 100% always have supported them and wanted them to win cheers Steve really good text very very valid text uh, I think as well let's uh, hear from uh, two or three people um, on the reaction as well we've got more texts and uh, don't worry I'll be reading those out throughout the morning they're all terrific Uh, let's go first of all to Ian Jones to Carmo on his reaction Congratulations, Scott Robinson. That's fantastic. Look, he's going to bring so much energy, so much passion. Not that no other coach done that as well. Every All Black coach goes in there with that same intent, but uh, he really will connect uh, with the New Zealand public. So we're going to be in for a hell of a four years. Thank you, though, to Jamie Joseph. If he did actually put his name forward, thank you, mate, for doing that. And now we know who the coach is going to be post-World Cup, mate. We have to hop on board with Ian Foster, his current team. Um, Mate, you're loyal to who's on the job at the moment, right? Mm. Uh, and he is our guy at the moment. Ian Foster put all their energy, the players need to put all their energy behind him uh, and get that job done. That is the absolute focus. And then, yeah, we can celebrate and look to see what uh, Scott Robinson brings. But until then, he's out of the equation. He's, he's not part of the conversation. Yep, absolutely right. He's, he shouldn't be now. That's it. That's it. No longer. He shouldn't be. When it comes to the the current All Black look, 
and the current that's it it's not scott scott robertson's baby there's no speculation anymore we know when he's taking over um so end of story end of story uh very good uh, from uh, ian jones here as always uh, uh good reflections on the situation uh how about joey wheeler of course uh, joey is a, a sky sport pundit as well Razor Ray getting uh, announced as um, the All Blacks coach. Yeah, a special, a special day for the South Island. Obviously, he was everyone's sort of, I guess, the hot favourite um, to get the job, and uh, probably thoroughly deserved. You know, like um, six titles on the bounce. Um, I don't think anyone can deny the fact that he, he deserves to to have a crack, and, I, and I'm glad that um, New Zealand rugby saw it that way. Obviously, as a as a bloke that's been coached by Jamie Joseph, I would have loved to have seen him in the mix, but I think they've got a um, a fantastic guy that'll bring a breath of fresh air to that whole organisation, um, a hell of a lot of energy and a hell of a lot of passion um, to what is our, our national team. So really, really excited to see what Razor can do um, with that side, and um, yeah. I think it's a, it's a great step forward for, for the All Blacks. Yeah, I really think uh, both those guys have you know, given honest opinions, uh, both uh, Camo and, and Joey there. Uh, here's another text. Um, and there's been speculation about other jobs too, hasn't there? Uh, hey, Smithy, my little brother is a super rugby player, has friendships with a lot of current AB boys. Is adamant that since Joe Smith came on board, the All Blacks uh, boys say the Foster's doing very little coaching of the team. Jace Ryan and Joe run the cutter and do the bulk of the coaching fosters more a manager role not a coach as such side note did nzru have to make the call early to stop scott taking up the scotland or welsh job uh, their hand might have been forced and uh, actually i know we were going to have a chat but i think this is a valid time to play uh, from uh, the daily mirror chris foy uh, you talk about wales and scotland what about chris foy uh, who's the leading rugby writer for the daily mail what has he made of this from the other side of the world? In October, I think it was, early November, when when Scott Robertson and Ronan O'Gara were working together with the Barbarians. Um, my understanding is they were both interviewed, and so was Steve Borthwick. And whether or not it could specifically be seen as a job interview, I think it was more initial conversations because they didn't think at that point they were going to be appointing a head coach in December. Then the whole thing changed in a hurry because they sacked Eddie Jones. Um, and then they had to fast forward the process. Now, um, the chief exec of the RFU, Bill Sweeney, basically said after appointing Borthwick, he was our man all along. But they also made it clear that they considered a lot of people and spoke to various people. I actually asked him on the day they announced Borthwick, what did he make of Scott Robertson as a candidate? And he sort of dodged that one, gave it a quick swerve sidestep to get away because he didn't fancy engaging on that. Clearly, he's not part of the process to give out such information to the likes of me. But basically, it was seen that Scott Robertson was part of that process. But it felt all along as if he was sort of allowing himself to be talked into the England equation as a, as a candidate. But really, that was not what he was all about. It was all about the All Blacks job. I guess at some stage, uh, Scott Robertson will write a book. I'll put a um, dollar one in shortening. It's called Razor. Um, but anyway, um, here's the thing. Um, my friend Ricardo Ball. Um, I would like to know too, um, in that book, just how many calls from different unions and different uh, rugby owners from around the world Scott Robertson has fielded in the last uh, 12 months. 
Got a feeling there'd be a, quite a few, Smithy, quite a few. I mean, interesting, you know, what uh, Chris Foy there said, that while well, he was up there with the Barbers, they were looking at the England Rugby Union at that point as to who was going to replace Eddie Jones after the World Cup. So they had conversations with him and Ronan O'Gara and Steve Borthwick at that point. I wonder, you know, Razor's very good uh, tactician. Was that a great piece of uh, tactical nous from him because he knew NZR would get wind of it and uh, let's hurry up the process, eh, so I can be All Blacks coach? Mm. Well, look, there's no doubt that um, they have been pressured into it, um, probably by their own way of handling it. So they've created a lot of self-pressure on them, themselves. I, I still don't quite get my head around. And in a normal working environment, uh, if you say, right, if you if you say, and he has since said, uh, Ian Foster, he's not going to re, re, um, re, you know, relook at doing the job. Uh, he actually announced that, uh, what, about a week, 10 days ago. Probably had enough, had a, right up to the eyeballs with the whole deal. But the interesting thing, in a normal working environment, just, you know, and most of our texters and people listening um, are still employed. You, you, you get employed to do a job. But and you think you know okay it, it hasn't perhaps gone as well as you like but you're still determined to do the job in any field of work and all of a sudden you see um, your boss taking interviews for your job while you're still trying to do your job you get my drift I mean that that's that that, that is like a it's almost like a uh, human relations or human resources type issue isn't it that kind of if, if that happened in a normal workplace. Yeah, I think it's probably slightly different in a sporting landscape and the fact that you're on a contract that has an end date, right? Um, so I, I, that's why I see it. And I think NZR copped a lot of criticism in 2019 because they lost the likes of Dave Rennie, Jamie Joseph, Tony Brown and others from the candidacy before we got to the end of the World Cup because they'd left it so late. So they get to the end and they've got two choices uh, Scott Robertson at the time had, I think, won two Super Rugby titles and was still pretty new at that level, and Ian Foster, who was the assistant. So I think they were a bit bereft of options, and they didn't want that to happen again. I do wonder, Smithy, and I mean, obviously at the moment it's very much four years to four years, but whether or not they need to look at that and make the, the appointment cycle. If you're going to appoint a coach for four years, do it two years out from a World Cup and then have a clause in there that says there is a review after the World Cup, and then you can look at extending again. Because when it all comes crashing down after the World Cup, you're under pressure to make an appointment to see who's going to be left. Um, it seems to be a fractious situation, which is what we've got here. So maybe it's about the timing of how those, that contract wheel works. Maybe World Cup to World Cup's not the best way to do it. We'll come back, uh, Ricardo. I want to, you know, the football world, you know, contracts in the football world and how they work. And I just wonder how many of those uh, get four-year contracts in the high-profile position they have. I would have thought uh, a lot of it was performance dependent, but are there guarantees for four years in football? I don't know. We'll, we'll uh, come back to that and your texts. Um, some really cool ones coming in, and I thank you for that. We'll take a short break, um, and we'll be back shortly here on SENZ. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. 
Right, uh, India play Australia today in uh, white ball cricket. Um, Australia won game two. Thumped India, but I think India will bounce back today. Written in the stars, so they think. Uh, $1.67. Boston Celtics today, uh, I believe, will beat uh, the Sacramento Kings at $1.47. That, of course, is the NBA. Uh, Oklahoma State to beat North uh, Texas. Now, this is NCAA basketball, college basketball, and that is always a very hot ticket. Uh, in March, March Madness they call it, as they head through towards uh, the the Sweet 16 and uh, they break it all the way down to the final and to find out who the champion uh, college team is in America. It is massive, it's huge, $3.73 for that multi. India, Celtics into Oklahoma State, $3.73. Craig has, uh, as always, has come in mornings with you. I'm with you, a New Zealand rugby fan first and support the team no matter who is coach, captain, and the players don't always agree with selections. No one does. Uh, 100% support the team. Uh, I'm happy for Razor, but one worry is someone is going to be in charge when the All Blacks lose um, uh, the Eden Park streak and also uh, when they lose um, the Bledisloe Cup. And uh, Craig says, all we know is that won't be fuzzy. So there you go. Um, yeah, so Craig's pretty confident about uh, the remainder of this tenure in terms of uh, those particular um, trophies and that particular uh, bastion that is Eden Park. So um, it, it's it's it'll be interesting. Uh, I, I think what uh, Aucklanders believe, um, because Aucklanders and Cantabrians uh, have over the years not always been seen eye to eye on this issue. Hey, Ricardo. Well, that's true. Uh, the, what Craig is, has very uh, cleverly put there, though, Smithy, is that there isn't a, a rugby test at Eden Park yeah. this year. So Fozzie doesn't, can't lose the hoodoo because the All Blacks aren't playing there again under his correct. tenure. Ab- absolutely correct. I mean, yeah, there was a chance, of course, that uh, Eddie Jones might find something um, that other coaches not been able to find in recent years, and he could have come over and performed the Oracle. But, uh, you know, that's, that's so true, so true uh, from Craig. But... Um, you know, I, I think they're going to have a good year, the All Blacks. I do. I, I agree. We've, we've have got the, some of the very, very finest players in the world. And uh, we proved last year, and uh, we weren't unbelievably good last year, but towards the end of it, we were. We got better. We're not we're talking about shoddy losses um, and shoddy performances on the Northern Tour, were we? We're talking about a team that actually came through pretty well. So, yeah. <laughs> It is. It's been it's been absolutely fascinating. Look, it's uh, nine fifty three. We have to take another break. We'll have a few more ticks before ten o'clock, and after ten o'clock, we're going to go um, about face. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, the lovely Storm Purvis about uh, the ANZ Netball Championship at the moment. But keep those ticks coming in. Double eight, double three. Uh, we shall be reading them out. Culture covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. How about this text that's uh, just come in? Uh, Ian Foster advised by text uh, that Scott Robertson has been appointed, uh, appointed next All Black coach. I feel a resignation may be in the wind. No name of that one, but that's a. Uh, a nice little uh, wooden spoon one, isn't it? Just stirring the pot a wee bit. Um, I would imagine that uh, they're a bit more professional than that. Uh, New Zealand rugby uh, to advise uh, the incumbent by uh, ringing him up or um, waiting till he's available to talk to in person. I would have thought they'd be uh, more. And isn't their role to um, one of their chief roles as uh, the rugby union and the, the board, etc., the CEO? Uh, to facilitate and make it as easy as possible and the, the pathway as smooth as possible 
for the incumbent coach to do his job, having appointed him. Um, and I just wonder um, if uh, they look in the mirror, each and every one of them look in the mirror and say, yes, I firmly believe when in Ian Foster's case we have done that. I firmly believe uh, we have given him full open support. Uh, we've been transparent about the whole deal. Um, we haven't gone behind his back in any of this situation. We have just given him the easiest possible pathway to get his job done. That we appointed him for in the first place. Coming up to 10 o'clock, Netball next with Storm Purvis. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.03 here on SENZ, uh, trying to get through to uh, Storm Purvis uh, about the netball. Uh, read another couple of texts uh, while we are waiting to get through. While I agree uh, with much of your sermon, I never got to uh, wanting the All Blacks to lose so the coach might get sacked. I can be a Razor fan without hating Fozzie, but as a coach, criticism comes with the job uh, it does. On a coaching course, Laurie Main started with, uh, if you hear, for the glory, get up and leave now. When you lose and even when you win, there will be criticism of how you got that result. Uh, when you win and win well, you're the forgotten man the players bask in that glory. You coach to try and advance the players and the game, and if that's successful, that's your reward. Cool text. Like it. Really do. Really do. Uh, okay, uh, Storm Purvis uh, is with us now. Lovely Storm Purvis, who uh, is on our screens all the time, and particularly uh, when it comes to netball. But you'll have an opinion on the coach's job, Storm. Good morning to you. Razor Robertson, eh? Was Razor your pick? Oh, absolutely. I'm a good Cantad girl, um, born and half-raised down there, so I moved up to Auckland when I was like 10. So my first memories of rugby was going to Jade Stadium and getting the kids pack and the flag and, um, you know, I've been super impressed with what Razor has done over the past how many bloody years and um, I'm always waving his flag here in the Cargo's Wild office because um, I feel like I'm the lone crusader supporter. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that appointment, absolutely. Can you remember what Jade Stadium was called before it was Jade Stadium? Oh, no. What year would have that been? Lang no, no. Well, huh? Lancaster Park. What I'm doing here is showing both our ages, right? I'm just showing both <laughs> our ages here. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, let's... Oh, let's oh, Storm Purvis, Lancaster Park. Right, let's look at the netball side of things, the ANZ Championship. And uh, here I am staring at the table, and the Northern Stars are atop the table. Uh, they've played uh, one more game than some of the sides, but did you see this coming? Um, do you know what? I, I didn't see it coming as in they would be up there alone at the top of the table, but I knew they would be there or thereabouts, and it was so funny. We talked about this on um, Centre Pass last night on Sins, that the pre-season talk and the off-season talk was that it was all going to be the mystics and the tactics and look at their teams and, oh, yeah, the stars, well, they're the same. We don't need to worry about them. But that's the whole point. They are the same. They've had the same attacking lineup for a few years now. So... They're primed and they're polished and um, playing some amazing netball, and it's, it's great to see them up there because everyone kind of forgot about them. Mm, okay, Katrina Raw answered an SOS uh, from the Stars, much like yourself, uh, to take the court against her uh, old side, the Pulse. You think she'll continue to play that? She's got the bug slightly back. 
Oh, look, I don't know. She's she's as competitive as anyone I know. So I'm sure she would have loved being out there and probably thought, oh, yeah, this is what I've been missing. And if you watch the game, she didn't miss a beat. She played just like she used to, completely shut Tiana Matoro out of the game. Um, of course, her old teammate at the Pulse. Uh, but it was just a, an illness replacement for Ellie Timu, who I believe is likely to be back on deck this weekend. So unless there is um, injury or more illness elsewhere, um, I, I'm not too sure. I don't have the inside word on that one. But uh, who knows, maybe next year we'll see her pop up again. <laughs> maybe we will. Uh, just by the by, um, someone uh, other than me wants to know if you've had a call this year to SOS like you did last year. I actually was a bit peeved that Coach Kitty Wills didn't bother to call me and just went straight to, to <laughs> Katrina Rore uh, last week. I thought, oh, come on, surely I'm, I'm first cab off the rank. But no, when you've got an ex-Silverton legend like that sitting um, sitting in the wing, then yeah, no, I, I can forgive Kitty Wills. No calls yet for me, and I'm hoping it stays that way. <laughs> okay, right, let's uh, get on to the other northern side, the northern mystics who sit just below the stars on the table. It's a bit of a northern dominance at the moment. Yeah, and look, it, it kind of tends to, at least for some stage of the season, be that way. Um, they're typically two teams that have strong, consistent lineups, and I talk about the Stars attacking ends being the same for so many years. The whole Mystic 7 has been the same uh, for a few years now. So, look, they've got that firepower with Grayson Wickey and it goes shoot. They've got solid defenders who have been in and around the Silver Ferns for years now. And, um, yeah, it's always a good derby match, that, that one, when they when they play against each other. And it makes it even better that it's a top-of-the-table clash. Uh, but, obviously, the Mystics in round three, just on Sunday night, uh, had a shock overtime loss to the Magic. So the Magic have done the Stars no favours here whatsoever. They're going to be hurting from that, and um, they will definitely want to put out a better show. Uh, and it's at their home, home ground and, and the Trust Arena as well. So... It'll be a good match, but I can't see the Mystics kind of tripping up two weeks in a row. We'll see. We'll see. Storm, what have you made of the tactics this year? Oh, look, I I keep wanting to say they're going to get there. They're going to get there, you know? Like, they have recruited well. They've got a new attacking lineup um, with Aaliyah Dunn coming down from the Pulse, working alongside Tapia Selby Rickett. And I just think the kind of connections and the flow and attack are just not there yet but it's early days we're only three rounds in uh, and they've, they've got the names and they've got the, the sort of star power to, to be the team to beat this season um, their defence I have uh, nothing bad to say about the defence event. they have been flawless so far this season Jane Watson back from giving birth to her first child Karen Berger back to her best form after a wee injury and they've recruited Greer Sinclair in that wing defence position. And any time I watch the tactics play, my eyes are just glue, glued to that defensive circle. They're doing excellent work. It's just about that attacking and finding out, I guess, the style they want to play, their go-to game plans when things aren't going well for them. I feel like they don't have a, you know, a go-to just to settle things down a little bit. And, you know, Aaliyah Dunn, she's been at the Pulse for years, so it's going to take her a while to settle in. And it'll come. I have confidence that, that it'll come. But at the moment, mm -hmm. dare I say it, I have been mildly underwhelmed. Just mildly. <laughs> mildly underwhelmed, okay. Uh, if you're underwhelmed with uh, the tactics, uh, bearing in mind they are a lot of people's favourites, you might be a bit dismayed about your old team, the Southern Steel, what's happening down south there. It's so hard to talk about Smithy, and I hate that we have to talk about it every week because, um, yeah, what was it, a 17-goal loss? 
uh, and the weekend just gone, a 34-goal loss to the Stars the week before and a couple of 20-goal losses. So they have had um, a horror start to the season. There's no denying it. And unfortunately, most of that has come down to the loss of their start and port goal shoot, George Fisher. But we've got to stop talking about that. You know, like it, it's been and gone. That happened in the preseason. We need to focus on what they can do in the here and now to just um, make those deficits ever so slightly smaller. I'm not super confident that they're going to get too many wins over the season this year, but it was great to see Savia Tui back out on court over the weekend. Mm. She played a half in it goal shoot. Um, that girl is going to be a superstar, and she's coming back from knee uh, reconstruction, so I'm sure she'll get more minutes as the weeks go on. And once they solidify that attacking lineup, I think they will get better because they've got the they've got the same as the tactics. They've got star power in there. They've got Sammy Winders who's come down from the Magic. Wangareo Sabi Racket, their captain, has been a Southern stalwart forever. And Kate Burley is incredible on defence. And Kate Heffernan, who's you know one of the yeah. informed silver ferns at the moment. So, if I think a promising sign from what we saw over the weekend with Savia Tui and it goes shoot, if she can play full games, then yeah, I don't think we're going to see too many more 34-goal blowouts. I hope anyway, I hope. Storm, you, two or three times uh, in the interview so far, you've said uh, talked about players coming back, which is cool because you're talking about experience coming back into the competition. But I just wonder about any newcomers you, you might have seen, any, anything that, that you might have thought, well, that's exciting. I, I, you know, I, That's a name I, I didn't really expect to be out there at the moment. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me this season has been Brea Sinclair and that wing defence for the tactics. Um, she was a player who was a training partner for the Stars, I think, for the past two years. And you might remember that name if you follow Netball because with COVID last season, she ended up filling in for four different franchises. So she made her debut for four different franchises last year uh, just because of the way COVID worked and the player pool that Netball New Zealand had set up. So Marianne Delaney-Hoshek thought, I like the look of this girl. I want to give her a chance to say, yep, you belong in this team. I'm going to give you a starting bib and show me what you can do with it. And she's just been incredible. Um, I wouldn't say the word or throw the word bolter out there just yet, given that it is a World Cup mm -hmm. year. But we're not super blessed in the wing defence position. A lot of them are being converted into centres or, or goal defenders. And I'd love to see her one day just really grab that wing bib for the Silver Ferns and make it her own because she's super athletic. Um, working really well alongside Jane Watson and Karen Berger. And, yeah, I've been really impressed with how she's come into the into the tactics side. Bearing in mind uh, the World Cup that you've just talked about, is, is it too early to, to look at uh, the Silver Ferns lineup? Do we still keep a, a pretty um, open mind about the whole thing? I mean, has anyone played themselves out or anyone confirmed themselves in? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's played themselves out just yet. Um, I know, for example, Sam Winders has been on the verge for the past couple of seasons um, with Dame Nolene under the helm and, and hasn't quite made it, but she's a great wing defender, but one of those players that I mentioned that's been pushed out to a new position and she's playing in at wing attack at the steel, and I just think that's doing her no favours at the moment. Um, Dame Nolene often talks about her spine of players and the players that you shouldn't ever tell us who they are, but Pretty much she's, she's saying those players are coming, you know, whether they have terrible seasons or not. I need them in my team. And I'm thinking it's about four players. Um, you know, your Grace Mickeys, your Gina Cramptons, your Karen Burgers. I'd say that they've, you know, probably got their tickets booked secretly already. 
Um, but, you mm-hmm. know, there's probably one spot in the midcourt, one spot in the defence and one spot in the um, shooting circle that's up for grabs that I'd say isn't locked in yet and players definitely have the opportunity to play their way into the squad this season. So, you know, if, if that's one thing to, to kind of, you know, look forward to about this ANZ Premiership, it is knowing that it is one big trial for the World Cup. So players are playing for more than just their franchises in the glory at the moment. Right, let's uh, just uh, briefly, if we can, look forward to this weekend, please. Um, and uh, the magical, of course, on the back of uh, that mag- magnificent comeback win against the Mystics. Um, they head down south. Um, so that, uh, with confidence, I would imagine, makes the Steel's job even harder to break the drought. Oh, it does, it does. We were kind of looking towards this round uh, before that overtime thriller, thinking, yeah, great, Steel and Magic, that's going to be a good battle for both of them because, of course, before the weekend just gone, the Magic also had a couple of, well, a 20-goal loss uh, to the Stars. So they weren't looking too flash either. And we were really looking forward to that match, and I think it still will be close. Um, We talked about the Steel woes, but they did win the last quarter against the Tactics by five, which is a bit of a thrashing for a quarter. So they're kind of riding a little bit of momentum from that game as well. Obviously, the Magic are coming in uh, with a lot of confidence and, you know, they've got more momentum, but I think it'll still be a good game. And it's at home at um, ILT Stadium Southland, the the fortress, and that always helps for the Steel. So that'll still be a good game to watch. And, yeah, I just hope it's a close one. I hope it's a close one, Smitty. It's a a double-double header for the Tactics and uh, the Magic this weekend. Uh, tactics uh, first up uh, against the Pulse on Sunday? Yeah, that'll be a good match too. Um, I think they're two teams that are probably quite evenly matched at the moment um, and two teams that will probably really feel like they want to put their foot down now. I think the Pulse are quite similar in the tactics is to what I was explaining before, that they just haven't quite found their groove yet with a new attacking lineup. So that'll be a game that they're both targeting to really show that um, they've made strides in the competition and I think that'll be a good battle. And the Northern Battle on uh, Sunday probably looks the match of the round. Yeah, well, it's the one I'm working at for Sky Sports, so I'm stoked to be their sideline, um, two of my old teams. But um, most recently spent my time with the Stars, and I have a wee soft spot for them. So I, I'm really looking forward to that one. Top of the table clash, Northern Derby. It'll be great. OK, Storm, um, we'll leave it at that. Uh, uh, what have you got coming up uh, this week? On the crowd goes wild. What sort of drama are you going to unfold? Oh, I don't know about drama, although there will be a little bit of drama on the show tomorrow night. We're making a fake uh, super opic uh, rugby trailer, teasing the final. Ra Pormade, our, our producer, is pretty creative and he's going to do a good job of that. So that'll be fun on Thursday night. Uh, we've got a lead profile piece on some Moana Pacifica players, and I'm sure there'll be plenty to discuss after Razor's appointment too. So, gee, rugby-centric this week, but that's just the way it is sometimes. <laughs> Good on you, Storm. Always great to chat to you. Um, love your personality and love love the work that you're doing. Uh, thanks very much for your time. Have a great day. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks, Smithy. You too. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Storm Purvis there with us on her take of the netball. Um, and uh, she's now, of course, going to go and study Wikipedia and find out Lancaster Park. She's going to look at Lancaster Park, Keith. You're right. That's terrible. Lancaster Park girl, dripping with history, that name, Lancaster Park. Uh, it is 10.17. Uh, we shall uh, talk to uh, Andrew Gordy. He might have spent a bit of time at uh, Lancaster Park. I'm sure Hamish Bibble has over the years. I know his dad did. Um, and uh, they're the panellists this morning coming up. The panel.
Right, it's uh, time for the panel this morning and two very strong panellists uh, and Andrew Gordy and uh, Hamish Bidwell. Um, first of all, go to you, Hamish. Uh, we've talked uh, several times about this uh, whole saga with the all-black coaching job. Are you th- thankful it's just been put to rest or do you still think it's simmering somewhere? I hope it doesn't simmer again, at least not for the next sort of four years. Um, I'm fairly underwhelmed over it. Um, I feel disappointed for Robertson in the sense that there isn't a lot of hoopla or excitement about his appointment. Um, the whole process since Steve Hansen left the job has been a shambles and um, I didn't feel that New Zealand Rugby made the right choice at all and Ian Foster and then adequately supported him when he did have the job. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just, I'm a bit over it. Yeah, I, I, I want to care. I want to be interested. I want to be happy for Scott Robertson. But uh, I think with the employers that he's got, he needs all the luck he can get because I don't think they looked after Ian Foster that well, despite him not being the right man for the job in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, and they're still not looking after him that well by all accounts. Uh, Andrew Gordy, um, I would imagine uh, you weren't surprised at the end result. Uh, what are you feeling now, um, now that it's um, supposedly been put to bed? Yeah, morning, Smitty. Morning, Hamish. Morning to all the listeners. Um, so just to pick up, first of all, on a couple of points there, um, I totally agree with you around how New Zealand rugby has treated Ian Foster through this whole period. I think it's been it's been shameful, really, hasn't it? Um, and if they don't learn something from that episode, then I, I do have some fears for Scott Robertson moving forward. Putting that to one side, I'm very pleased with Scott Robertson. I absolutely think he deserves this opportunity. I think he's... He's, he's walked the talk. Um, he's done everything he possibly can in the roles that he has been in, you know, from, from winning Super Rugby titles to winning with the under-20s back in, you know, 2015 now. And then he's, he's done it year in, year out with the Crusaders. So I think it's very hard to argue that he doesn't deserve this opportunity. I'm pleased for him that he gets it now, or at least gets it after the World Cup. Um, and I really just want to pick up on your on your point there, Hamish, about saying that I want to care, but I don't care. And I think that's a really important point to focus on. I think there is a massive feeling of indifference about the game of rugby in New Zealand and, and about the All Blacks at the moment. It, is, it has crept in over several years, and it's a big problem now. And that's w- exactly why I think New Zealand rugby once has made the right decision they've got the right guy at the helm not just as a coach because no regardless of what coach you hire no one can guarantee results i mean scott robertson has an outstanding track record i think an 83.2 percent winning record as a professional coach that's pretty strong and that's the kind of number i think that you know is it gets you the opportunity to coach the all blacks but he is engaging, and I think that's more than anything what New Zealand rugby needs at the moment. They need someone who's the face of the All Blacks that is engaging, and I, I don't think that they've had that for a really long time. Um, Ian Foster, I think, is a lovely guy, but he's, he's not particularly engaging. And Steve Hansen before him was a, a gruff individual. You know, you couldn't say that he was particularly engaging. He had some great quips and some great one-liners, but... I don't think you could call him engaging. And, and Ted sort of became that almost after he was the, the All Blacks coach. So I think for once, maybe we've got someone who reflects a new era and, and, a, and a modern athlete and I suppose the type of people that 
New Zealand rugby wants to engage moving forward. So from that perspective, I think they've absolutely nailed it. Uh, Hamish, that, that's um, an interesting point as well because, uh, of course, they're giving him carte blanche on who his support staff should be and, and of course, that, that should be the way anyway. That goes without saying. Uh, but it looks, if he's consistent, that he'll take Leon McDonald, probably Jason Holland, which means the super rugby coaching structure next year will be hugely new. Yeah, that's a worry, given the personnel we've already lost. I mean, because New Zealand Rugby became a, a closed shop, we've lost a lot of experienced, proven coaches, and so we basically let retired players learn on the job, and so I'm concerned about that. But I guess, if we're honest about it, to go back to what Andrew's talking about, I don't really care if Super Rugby struggles, because I think the competition has been done such a terrible disservice by the governing body, and it's an irrelevance. And so whether... The Hurricanes or the Blues, the Crusaders battle to find a coach or they struggle to find decent personnel. I don't think that many people care because we put all the eggs in the All Blacks basket and that is now the one and only shop window. And that's why, to some degree, they had to pick Robertson because otherwise Super Rugby would be utterly pointless. You can win six titles and you'll still never be the All Blacks coach. Or what message would that send? That would say that we don't even care about Super Rugby. So... Who they pick, I'd like to see... I actually would prefer a day, going back to a day when New Zealand Rugby appointed the support staff and there was some competitive tension within the group and a competition of ideas rather than just picking your mates and all um, having the same ideas. I don't know if that's necessarily the best way forward, but I understand that's the modern way and good luck to them, but where it leaves the the rugby below the All Blacks, I I think to most people is an irrelevance. Mm, Interesting. Um, Gord, any thoughts on that subject about... Uh, the next level down and how it might look in terms of the coaching structures for, uh, I think, at least three franchises in all this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, it is, uh, yeah, is it a concern? The thing is, I think if you spend time worrying about that, it's, it's a bit of a wasted emotion, really, isn't it? Because the fact is, like, we're all talking about, let's just take one name, right? Leon McDonald. Um, you, you know, he's been talked about as the kingmaker, I suppose, uh, for well, no, several weeks ago anyway. We talked about it being the kingmaker for the next All Blacks coach. Um, and obviously he is, a, he is a big feature of Razor's ticket. But essentially, it sounds to me as though Leon McDonald's going to be leaving the Blues anyway, either to be Razor's assistant with the All Blacks, or he's entertaining offers to be the next coach of Scotland. So I don't think you can get too hung up about what's happening at super racing level, because... Those coaches are going to be in demand anyway, whether it's um, as, a, as an assistant to the All Blacks coach or with uh, big clubs or, or international sides around the world. And it really is, I think, it falls on people like Colin Mansbridge and the CEOs of, of those Super Rugby franchises to make sure that they have succession planning in place. And I'm sure, you know, they've, Colin in particular has been working on that for years, and I'm, I'm sure he's got a couple of names in mind who who will have the uh, the very difficult task now, I suppose, of stepping into Scott Robertson's shoes at that level. And if, and if others, you know, Evan Lee and Andrew Hoare aren't thinking of the, the same thing for the Hurricanes and, and the Blues, well, well, they're not doing their job properly. And I'm sure they, those people are. But you just can't take for granted that I think the, the super rugby level coaches, there's, there's going to be a higher level of churn there. Um, so I think it's, yeah, like I say, it's, it's upon the, the franchises themselves uh, to make sure they've got succession planning in place. And I suppose the other thing, too, is, like, you've got people like Dave Rennie floating about out. Um, he's going to be looking for a job. Is it possible, I suppose, that he comes back into a, into one of those super rugby roles next year? Who knows? Mm. 
Yeah, interesting, actually. Um, I would imagine that, um, unlike um, New Zealand rugby, though, uh, Colin Mainsbridge uh, won't uh, appoint uh, Scott Robertson's successor until Scott Robertson's finished his job. Um, so it's 10.31 here on uh, SENZ. We're going to take a short news break here with Araha. Uh, and when we come back, really interested to talk to both um, Andrew Gordy and Hamish Bidwell on a sort of a report card for the Black Caps this summer. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Andrew Gordy with us this morning and Hamish Bidwell and uh, still six games of white ball cricket for New Zealand to play against uh, with a new look uh, sort of aside. Uh, due to the IPL, but um, I'd rather talk, uh, Hamish, if I could, with you um, about uh, the Test match season. Uh, on paper, uh, three, the, winning the last three in a row, uh, I would imagine you find that uh, pretty successful, but do you? Uh, I think you're leading me down the path where I reveal for the hundredth time that I'm not a particularly generous marker, and I say I give them about <laughs> six and a half out of ten. Um, yeah, like it's I, I don't really count the Sri Lankan games with all fairness. Um, the England game intrigues me, and I think that it was important for England because I think they let Hubris beat them in that occasion at the Basin Reserve. They just felt that they were so much better than New Zealand that they could send their ageing bowling attack out for a second time, and they got bitten there. And that may instruct how they play their cricket from now on. I mean, it's all very well to say, oh, we want to advertise this cricket nicely and, and promote the game, and that's great. But you also need to win if you're going to do that. And I thought that they took New Zealand lightly. I think it certainly said a bit about how they regarded New Zealand's batting order and then how troublesome they would be to get out. So good on them for beating England. But I think the team that benefits from that is England rather than New Zealand. I don't. I have some fears for the game, right? I'm not um, intimately contact, uh, connected to the uh, domestic first-class game. But I'm at kids' cricket all the time. I cover club cricket here in Hawke's Bay. And the standard is absolutely terrible. Um, schoolboy cricket, my son played in a game the other day for his prep school first 11. They beat the opposition 25 over game by 250. And they're not even very good. There's only two or three kids in my son's team who can play. Club cricket here we have on a, with six teams on any given Saturday, 15 to 20 are literally making up the numbers. Teams don't have a reserve team, so there's no pressure from above. They're just basically tapping people on the shoulder to come up and fill a uniform. And we're lucky enough to have a few stags who play in the weekends, and that's nice and they're decent players, but the best player in town is a guy called Christian Leopard. He's the best player by distance, and he, he only plays when he can because he prefers to play football for Napier City Rovers. He only started playing football two years ago, but he hates cricket. He never wants to play for CD again. He has no New Zealand aspirations. He just plays a bit of club cricket for Napier Tech because he loves them. And I just, I see the game really battling at the level below, and so when I talk about the Black Caps, I don't see a great team. They achieve some meritorious results but they don't have a great team. And I don't see people ready to come and replace who's there. So we hang on to mm. people, and good on Henry Nichols, he made some runs, they, they persevered past the point where I would have. But I, I don't think we have depth at any level of the game. I'll give you an example, what we call Riverbend here in Hawke's Bay, which you'll know, Ian, 230 mm. teams from across the nation come to Riverbend. The standard is dreadful. It's appalling. We've got kids who can't hold the bat, don't know how to stand, can't bowl it to the other end without it bouncing two or three times. And that's, that's the nursery. This, we're talking teenage kids here. That's, that's the level that we have. And so while we have some world-class players in the Black Caps who are nearing the end of their careers and have done amazing service and are all-time greats, cricket in New Zealand, to my mind, and we're in a decent province here in Hawke's Bay, it's battling. Mm. 
I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, and uh, as a Hawks Bay guy as well, um, I cannot possibly see uh, a situation where we're going to continue to foster the number of club teams that we have. Uh, I think there's going to be some merging going on just to make sure that we have uh, maybe a viable four-team competition. Gords, I would imagine that's stronger uh, up there in Auckland and Canterbury in the traditional areas as such. But um, your review, your review on the test match side of things. Well, first of all, Smithy, I, I think we all know things are pretty strong in general in Canterbury, so I think we can uh, put that one to bed for starters. Um, and, and I think we've all had a few cricket coaches like Hamish did well as well. I'm still, uh, still scarred by it to this day, but um, it's, uh, you know, spring back some uh, a bit of PTSD from hearing uh, Hamish talk about uh, how kids hold the bat and things like that. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, let's talk about test cricket. I think it's been... I wasn't going to go out of 10. I was going to say sort of a B, uh, a B for the Black Caps this, this season. I think that the first test against England was was shameful. Um, that was that was an appalling performance. But I think when you place it in that context, the next three games that followed, I think they really gave themselves a bit of, kick, bit of a kick up the arse. Um, that, that spectacle that we saw against England in the second test was absolutely outstanding. Um, a, a great, um, a great example of what Test cricket I think can be in this in this modern era of the game. And then I think the Black Caps kind of came out against Sri Lanka, and I, I am prepared to give that uh, a bit of weight that series because there was something on the line, not necessarily for the Black Caps, other than pride, I suppose, and wanting to restore a bit. Uh, but Sri Lanka was still competing for something; they were competing for a, a spot in a World Test Championship final, and I think we saw. Um, at least in, 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 in some parts of it, we saw the Black Caps evolve. The Black Caps that we thought um, had probably passed us by with the retirement of the likes of you know, BJ Watling, Ross Taylor, Trent Bolt no longer being involved. I think we at least saw some fight. And I was very pleased with what I saw from Kane Williamson. I, I think, you know, finally we saw um, the return of his class. Um, and I think the other sort of perhaps bright spot, if we can call it that, um, given how much you know hand bringing was going on about the, the strength of the bowling attack, um, I was quite pleased for Blair Tickner um, that he came into the Test arena and actually, you know, I'm not going to say he set the world on fire, but he at least came in and, and stood tall and took some wickets. And that's exactly what your job is when you're coming in at Test level as a as a pace bowler. Your job is to go in there and and help to help the rest of the bowling unit to take 20 wickets in a match. And, and I think he at least. Um, you know, pulled his weight in that regard. So pleased for him. Um, and I think we saw some other valuable contributions. You talked about Henry Nichols. Man, that guy was under some serious pressure. And, you know, sure, he, he, he rode his luck, I think, at times. But, you know, often that's what it takes, isn't it? It takes, you know, getting a little bit of luck and then capitalising on it, building some confidence again. And I think, you know, that's that's great to see a guy who I think we know has some class. But, geez, he's been... Um, He's been battling, hasn't he, on the test team for quite a while. So pleased for him to, to, to get some, some runs on the board. Um, but overall, as a, as a, like you say, some of the, um, for that home test season, all four games of it, um, I'm happy to give them a B. Yeah, look, I, I don't think for one second this side, uh, Hamish Pidwell could go to Australia and uh, beat Australia. Uh, I mean, I, I think their level's no. below Australia. They would be innings defeats and heavy ones, and we would be heartily embarrassed as we were when we thought we had a really competitive team three or four years ago. You were there, you saw it. You were as deflated yeah. as anyone connected to the game in New Zealand. That was an embarrassment, and we're nowhere near as good as the now as we were then. Let's be fair. 
No, you're right. Um, Danny Lee's an interesting subject, although some people turn away from talking about live golf. Um, but it, it, it's an interesting point, and there was a, a tweet that came through on Danny Lee's record uh, in the PGA, and all of a sudden he finds himself making, what, eight point or $6.4 million New Zealand dollars for the space of about three days' work. Um, and a bunch, uh, uh, and a, a, amongst a bunch of players who at one stage we would have regarded as uh, almost superstarish. So what does it say about live golf and when you, uh, Hamish, when you haven't been involved at a competitive level on a regular basis, how your intensity and how your abilities fall off? Yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in how the major live players perform at the majors this year, your Kepkas and Cam Smiths and the like. Um, it's interesting, I don't want to dumb down or dismiss or denigrate Danny Lee's achievement in any way. I think both tours, whether it's the PGA Tour or Live, are struggling. There just isn't the talent to go around. But I find it curious that if a no-one that no-one's ever heard of or hasn't won for five years wins on the PGA Tour, as has happened this year, then it's a wonderful comeback story. Mm. You know, the adversity's been through. Cue the tinkly piano music and let's all have a bit of a group hug. But if it happens on Live, it's what a shambles. Shows you what a joke that tour is. Look at the gumboots they've got winning over yeah. there. Like, you can't be both. So I think I think both tours are struggling. There isn't quite the talent to go around, and the PGA Tour have made it worse by having what they call designated events. So the better players don't play on a regular basis, and you get, I think his name was Taylor Moore, who won yesterday. No one's ever heard mm. of him. Good luck to him. I would have thought Danny Lee's win was as good, if not better, than his, but that's, that's a you know horses for courses type thing. I don't have a, a horse in the race. I don't dislike Liv. I don't dislike the tour. I just dislike the hypocrisy about whether one's an achievement and one's not. Mm. Gordes? Hey, Mitchell, I could not agree with you more about, about what you've just said, about the attitude towards each of these tours at the moment. Uh, it's just that the, the establishment thumbing their nose at something new and different and something that they're probably a bit scared of, frankly. Um, I, had a, I had a very hearty debate, um, uh, in fact, during Ollie Ritchie's stag do, would you believe, with uh, several punters around the achievements <laughs> of Stephen Elka. Um, and about whether Stephen Elka gets the credit that he, they believe he deserves. Um, because he's earning lots of money, isn't he? You know, earning lots of money, winning these golf tournaments on the, on the seniors tour. I, I, I take my hat off to Stephen Elker. I think what he's, what he's doing is fantastic. But I draw the line at, at sort of any kind of suggestion that we should be talking about Stephen Elker for a Halberg Award, because I, I, I think there's a clear line to be drawn between money made and athletic achievement. You know, if Stephen Elker was, you know, with, with the greatest of respect to him, if he was still achieving at the highest level, he'd be playing on, on probably a PGA Tour. He's not. Anyway, I think the point I'm, I'm trying to get to here, bring it back to Danny Lee, is at some point there is, and, and we've already seen it over the last year, there is a levelling up going on between Liv and, and the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is, has lost some big names, um, some of its best players, and it is being filled out with players exactly like Danny Lee, the, the, the bread and butter, the middle, middle to lower tier of player that makes a tour, right? Um, and that's going to continue to level out. And very, very soon, I think we're going to be having debates about whether, and I'm going to throw out a hypothetical here, if Danny Lee was to keep winning on, on the Live Tour and you started seeing more and more of the players that you, know, you, know, you and I would consider the quality top-tier players, if he kept winning on that tour, at what point would we start talking about Danny Lee as 
a, a, a contender, I suppose, a nominee for a Halberg Sports Person of the Year. I don't think we're, we'd it'd actually be that far away, but it would come back to that attitude. How does the establishment view the Live Tour versus the PGA Tour? Because for so long, we've all considered the PGA Tour to be the pinnacle of the sport. Well, it may not be that far away, but the pinnacle of the sport could be quite evenly spread across the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and, and Live Tour as well. So I think it's a really interesting dynamic that's emerging in golf. I find it an absolutely... This live the emergence of live to be an absolutely fascinating story, and I'm pleased for Danny Lee. You know, this is a guy who has been battling away for years, and like Hamish, you've just said, you know, we celebrate these stories of these guys who have been battling away on the PGA Tour for years, and they finally win a tournament. I, I think we should absolutely be lifting up Danny Lee in the same regard. You know, here's a guy. Maybe this is all he needed. Maybe he needed a new challenge, something, something new, something different. And, and straight away in his second tournament, he's gone, gone to live and 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 secured a, a win that has effectively set him up for life. I'm pleased for the guy. Well, I'm very pleased, and I, I'm, I'm interested to learn too that Danny Lee is um, born and bred in Christchurch all of a sudden. I mean, for goodness sake, Gordy, where did that come from? <laughs> Good God, Mike. Oh, that, that, what that's, are you... Uh, oh, I'm not... I'm not claiming. I'm not claiming that. I've, 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 yeah, I've got no skin in the game in that regard. But I'm pleased for that. <laughs> Good God! I, 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 if I was ever invited to a um, an Ollie Ritchie type uh, stag do, I'd be wearing a blue and white scarf just the hell for the hell of it. I just think <laughs> it would be just brilliant. Uh, here's something for you to chase too, Gords. Here's something for you to chase as we say goodbye. Uh, we've got a text in from yep. Ken, who's pretty much on the mark. Sam Whitelock broke his hand against the Blues. Know much about that? Yeah, yes, uh, I, I believe uh, I have heard whispers to that uh, to that effect. Um, okay. So yes, I think it's a bit of a watch this space. Okay, cool. Uh, Hamish Bidwell um, and uh, Andrew Gordy, great combo there uh, with uh, their thoughts and views, uh, very strong ones too. And uh, I thank them for that here on this uh, Wednesday morning. We'll have another panel hopefully tomorrow morning. It is ten forty-six here. Twelve sixty a.m. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> Louis joins us uh, this morning on a day where there's racing at Pukekohe. There are 10 races, uh, and I've got a feeling there'll be a lot of interest in a first starter from uh, Nigel Tiley's barn named uh, Tears for Fear in race four. Opie Boston on board. Hey, good, good spotting, Smithy. They might, they might be us done for the day. That's all about our head. Um, <laughs> Tears for Fears. <laughs> Trial very, very well, and... You know, as long as it can cop the, uh, what is it, heavy eight, heavy nine now track, um, mm. it should be going around and winning. So that's your multi-filler for the day. There are a couple of others. Oh, it's a heavy 10. It is so cold here, Smithy, in Christchurch. My toes haven't been this cold since I moved from Christchurch eight years ago. It is terrible. So the heavy 10 at least will be cold. You know what I don't like? I don't like when I'm punting. This is completely random. I don't like punting if I'm in completely different weather conditions to where I'm punting, something just doesn't feel right about it. So at least I'm going to be punting wet track while I'm freezing and wet. So that'll make me feel a little bit more comfortable. And uh, I'll probably have a bet on Fernandez 
race five. It's got a bit of soft track form. Overdue a win, $2.80. If it can transfer that soft track form to the heavy track form, I think it'll be hard to beat. And here's an each way go. Race 10, drawn, well, it was out wide, but there's been so many deductions. I know that Dawn and Peter Williams have got a bit of time for the Stafford Bell, the instigator. 6 and about $2 something, whatever it is, each way all day. Tears for fears, $1.65 into Fernandez, maybe into the instigator, a place, and uh, I'll be freezing, but hopefully I'll be rich. The thought of your frostbitten toes has just put me off lunch, and I'm surprising, it's surprising to me um, that it's cold in Christchurch on a day after it raises appointment. I thought everything would be sunny down there from now on, sunny and warm. That's right. All I want to go do is go to Sumner Beach and catch a couple of barrels and hang out with the rest of the, the sharks down there, but no. <laughs> Good on you, Louis. Thanks times very get much, tough. Mate. We'll be here for you on SCNZ. Thinking of you, my beautiful Hawke's Bay and all of New Zealand. Kia kaha. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Plenty of texts uh, to read out in the next hour, which will also include uh, a chat straight after the break with uh, Gary Stead, of course, uh, Black Caps head coach number of issues to talk about now that the test match side of things has come to an end and the cycle of this World Test Championship has also uh, come to an end. So uh, we'll have Steady very shortly. Uh, just a text going into the break. If Razor takes uh, Holland, I would love Wrens to take over the Canes at Pratahama. You might get your wish. Who knows? A lot of that in that regard. But I think what, um, and the point I think should be made, is I think Razor Robertson comes in at an advantage to most of those other countries. When you look, you look, and people still continue to rave about it, at the level of depth we have in this country coming through. And we've still been able to boast that amongst, uh, amongst most other sides around the world, the level of depth that we have coming into that. So, um, yeah, interesting. Look, he's under immense pressure now. I mean, a uh, smile on his face yesterday. Um, it'll still be there today. But uh, by and large, as he prepares his Crusaders, in the back of his mind now, there is uh, a much, much bigger issue on his plate that he has to deal with. Uh, Smithy, for me, the second classic clanger by NZR if you yesterday was admitting Razor's honesty and saying, watch the space. Really? That sums up uh, NZR. The man, uh, man's honest, wears his heart on his sleeve. Classic Crusader, lie by the sword, die by the sword. Uh, Razor will win a World Cup for New Zealand, I'm bloody sure of it. Uh, also, we panicked about women's rugby. Uh, Smithy got the job done. Uh, I'll give Foster to the end of April. Um, he'll walk, I'm sure. Yeah, okay, right, that's interesting, Dino. You don't think he'll make the grade, so this April, as soon as that. Um, you know what will happen, says Chris Smithy. Our so-called knowledgeable rugby fans will blame Foster when they lose, but praise Jason Ryan when they win. Also valid. Uh, Sean says, if the All Blacks win this World Cup, Fozzie will become another beaver. Um, <laughs> Willie, they might have um, a show um, between four and seven um, on SENZ. Beaver and Fozzie and Kirsty. It's got a nice little thing to it, hasn't it? Um, also, uh, happy for Razor, but I'm supporting Fozzie and Sam Kane, who is a great captain. That's uh, Chris as well. Uh, Dermot Smithy, what would stop New Zealand from winning the World Cup? My opinion is lost it before it started. So there you go. 
Uh, I send my marks as I send my congratulations to Razor, but I'm fully behind the current coach and the job he's got ahead of him. Razor is still eight months away from uh, actually being the coach. I think we need to park the Razor chat and leave him to his job uh, with um, the Crusaders. Terrible uh, how Fozzie has been treated by NZR and these uh, so-called fans calling for his head on the chopping board. Sean, uh, appointing a coach now is the best thing the NZR if you can do um, to stop the distraction and the conjecture. Well, I, I guess they were pushed into it. Uh, I think it's uh, fair to say, Sean, they were, they were forced into it by their own doing. Uh, not by anyone else's doing. They were forced into it by their own doing. Um, so uh, maybe there was pressure put on um, by uh, rumours of uh, Scott Robertson having talks with England possibility of Scott Robertson going to another um, maybe a home nation or in fact someone else um, uh, who, who would know but um, certainly they were feeling the heat did something did something about it and uh, finally they put it to bed hopefully Ken uh, Smithy bad decision looks like NZR you were bullied into it um, Dean's repeated coming up uh, up in a lot of defections now he's uh, named but come on Fozzie bring the cup home cheers um, that's uh, from Ken uh, Southern Steel fans are finding out what it's like to be a Southern Stags fan. Only way is up from where they are at the moment, says Mark. Um, here we go, and he also says, here we go, Dean's done digging into Fozzie, now he's going after Sam Kane. Ugh, a fake fan. Uh, that's what he says, says Mark. Uh, Carl Stratton, Morning Smithy. Uh, rang the boys this morning about the debacle, so text you 100% agree the whole process should have been after the World Cup. But if Fozzie wins the World Cup, and puts a CV for the job, maybe too much embarrassment at uh, New Zealand rugby. Cheers, Stratty. Understand if uh, you don't read this out. Stratty, why wouldn't I? An honest opinion, and thanks very much for it. Uh, Gary M, one for you, Smithy. Do you think that with Stead saying he thinks the role should split, do you think that the white ball coach should be announced soon? Take the pressure off Stead going into the World Cup. Interesting. <laughs> That's very good, Gary. I appreciate where you're coming from there. Um, it's a little bit of a similarity, you're saying. Uh, in that regard uh, Can't get through to Gary Stead It's a bit surprising He's usually very lo reliable Gary Stead So uh, we're still, we'll continue to try for that uh, But it's uh, disappointing Because there's a heap of things to ask him uh, About that split role decision Which way he'd rather go If he was given the option um, His report card on, w, um, on the World Test Championship So uh, interesting He yeah, might still uh, be in the air apparently Smithy that's what I'm hearing. In the air. Yeah, his In flight may have been delayed, yeah. So um, that, that hopefully uh, we can get him soon is, uh, is the plan. But I thought maybe we should do stump now. What do you reckon? You want to do stump? Yeah, should we uh, do stump? I mean, we only have to use the word stump to say the word stump and the lines will light up. We yeah. can do that if you like. 0800 150811. 0800 150811 is the number. 50 bucks uh, worth of... Uh, uh, TAB product for you. It's uh, a bonus bet, $50 bonus bet. Uh, 0800 We will take a break, and when we come back, we shall look forward to your calls. Kiwi for sport. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
This is SENZ. It is uh, mornings with Ian Smith. Time for Stump. Smithy, how are you feeling, mate? How are you feeling? Well, I'm pretty uh, pretty confident about it, actually. Uh, I've had a really big uh, morning over this uh, coaching issue, so it's nice to take a bit of a breather, actually, from it and um, get a bit competitive rather than a bit reflective. So I'm looking forward to the challenges ahead. So um, tell us... Uh, what uh, what are we looking? Who are we looking at uh, first of all in, in terms of um, a competitor? We're looking at Leroy. Come in, Leroy. How you doing, bud? Yeah, how you doing, Ricardo? Haven't heard from you for a while. Been ke- been keeping been busy while. doing my show for a, for a change, but now I'm back on with Smithy for the for the for the day, mate. You've, how are you yeah. feeling? Confident? Oh, uh, no, Smithy's been pretty onto it. Morning, Smithy. Hey, g'day, Leroy. How's uh, things going in Gisborne, man? Yeah, a bit overcast today, but yeah, getting there slowly, you know, with all the roads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting there slowly. So, at some stage, um, you might we might be able to join forces again because uh, they're working feverishly, I understand, on the road between uh, Gisborne or Poverty Bay and Hawke's Bay. But at this stage, the one I think has opened uh, pretty much so for Napier and Taupo, but yeah. still a few problems with our one, mate. Yeah, it'll be good once they, you know, do open the devil's elbow up, get it going after one. That'll be pretty that's good. A, that was a hell of a mess, mate, wasn't it? Okay, let's uh, brighten up your yeah. day if we can by giving you 30 bucks. Um, today, uh, of course, Ricardo is in charge. Uh, Brian's on the phones, but uh, Ricardo, uh, what are the subjects you're going to present to Leroy? Okay, Leroy, you can choose from football, cricket, or golf. Oh, another deal, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will go with. Uh, come on, Ian. Maybe we'll go with cricket. Oh, Ooh. here we go. Here we go. And Lloyd. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. All right, here we go. This is your first question, Leroy. The Black Caps wrapped up the two-test series versus Sri Lanka, winning 2-0. Who was named player of the series? Uh, I'd have a guess. Kane Williams. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, good guess. Good one, Leroy. Oh. Um, fantastic, wasn't he? Absolutely brilliant. 28 test hundreds now. Hope to talk to Gary yeah. Stead about him uh, from a coaching aspect uh, very shortly. So we're praying for that. Uh, question two. The question Bla- two for Leroy. The Black Caps won the second test of that series by an innings and 58 runs. How many Black Caps batted in that test? Uh, in the last one? Just yeah. the last one, even you're talking about it. Correct. Uh, six. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh, right oh. in the slot, and away it goes. Well done, Leroy. Uh, Tom Latham, Devin Conway, Kane Williamson, Henry Nichols, Daryl Mitchell, Tom Blundell, the six black caps that batted in that test. You were bluffing, oh, Leroy. Yeah. You were bluffing. You were bluffing about the I cricket. Don't... Come on. That was just a guess, that one. <laughs> that was a good guess. For, for, for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, here it is. Uh, to take home a $50 TAB bonus bet, this is uh, the third and final question. Kane Williamson and Henry Nichols went huge, both notching up double tons. But who hit more sixes? Uh, Henry Nichols, guess. Yes. 
Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Well, yeah, you're right. He hit four sixes. Williamson hit two. Smithy, unemployed as a wicketkeeper today, mate. No stumpings uh, to be had. I'm dumbfounded. Been out bluffed by a poverty bay man. I just cannot <laughs> believe that. Oh, God. Sorry, Leroy. Con- Sorry, Smithy, I'm Congratulations. Not a I know. I'm not a, I, man, I'm not a football you, man, but yeah, I just thought I'd give it a go. Well, mate, maybe you should be a cricket man, you know, as much as most of us. I can promise you that. Hey, hey, I'm a here's, here's man the good rugby union man. <laughs> oh, okay, right. Well, you've got a, you've now got a third string to your bow, and you've also got a fifty dollar voucher. So, hey, Leroy, stay on the phone, and uh, Brian, uh, a good Hawks Bay man, will also uh, get your details, confirm them for you, uh, so we can get that uh, cash to you or that voucher to you as soon as possible, mate. Great job, well done. Appreciate it, Ian. Thank you so much, eh? Thank you, Ricardo. Yeah, no cheers. worries, brother. You have no a ter- worries. Have a, have a terrific day, man. Uh, right, a um, couple more texts to, to read out as well, uh, Ricardo. Um, and let's just have a look at uh, some of the... I can see why they have done it and not after the World Cup. If they waited until after the World Cup, they could lose potentially three super rugby coaches and not a lot of time to fill them until the squads have to be named. This way they can move towards Razor announcing his team and then filling those gaps with plenty of time. Uh, the person that really needs to go is Robinson. Robinson, the way he's handled the whole situation is appalling and showing the type of bloke he is. So the All Blacks, uh, let's get behind them uh, now that it's all said and done. James, um, some nice thoughts there actually and you might be very right. I mean whether they've stumbled onto that um, may be true. Maybe they've, you know, they've bought themselves a little bit of time by going in advance. Here's a nice, uh, I think Carol, I think Carolyn's a mum actually. Carolyn has just said, pleased that Razor has finally got a real job. Now all he needs is a haircut. What do you make of that, Ricardo, looking at you in the mirror? <laughs> well, what was the George Thorogood song? Uh, get a job and yeah, get a haircut, get a real job. That's something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's never stopped me, Smithy. Never stopped me. Um, my, no, my, has... my nonna, my, my Italian grandmother, uh, and you mm. know the, the the reputations they have. My my Italian grandfather, my nonna, would say, Ricardo, when you're getting a haircut, look at you. And my nonna would say, Lo Stanco, he looks like Jesus. So, you know, I, I couldn't put a foot wrong with my Italian grandmother. <laughs> Nonna's no best, eh? They know more than nonna's. Yeah. <laughs> nonna's no best. Oh, gosh. And nonna's, I, I always think the nonna that I know had the most uh, frightening eyebrows. Oh, really? The most frightening eyebrows. So when she raised her eyebrow... It was time to shut up or naff off. It was the only had two options. She was sick of your company. Um, hey, Smithy, here's a thought. If Foster wins the Rugby World Cup, he should do a break dance after the game. <laughs> after the game on halfway. That would be hilarious and ironic and would be one of the great moments in New Zealand rugby. Mm. Wouldn't, would I put it past him? Would you put it past him, Ricardo? You... I, to be honest, I think Ray, uh, Ray, I think Foster's above that. I, I think, I think he, had, he had deemed that to be... Probably wasn't wouldn't be a classy move. I think you're right. You're absolutely right. Would Razor do it? Uh, Ian Foster wouldn't even. In fact, Ian Foster wouldn't even entertain the thought for a, uh, for one second. Probably disgusted by the thought. Uh, would Razor do it? Well, yeah, I think Razor would do it. I actually talked to him. I'm trying to remember. It was a little while ago. Uh, might have even been last season, and asked him if he had a sabbatical in his Crusaders contract so uh, he could go to the Olympics because breakdancing's at the next Olympic Games. Um, uh, <laughs> it is. It is. But he uh, he suggested he might be a little bit out of form. 
Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, uh, we'll just change tack a little bit right here and now. Um, I think Pip Morris is with us, so uh, we'll head across to Pip. Hi, Pip. Uh, racing today at uh, Palmerston North with the Greyhounds. Don't know if you're involved with that uh, in any capacity at all. 11 races beginning in around about uh, 34 minutes. Uh, and sports betting options for the day. Have you got any? We certainly have, Sunny. Good morning to you. Uh, on the first part of the post, Delta to cover... The five-point start at $1.87 is really popular. And Marcus Hunt and Russell Westbrook, each five points for more, five more rebounds and five or more assists at $7 is a popular power play there. And trade 30 or more points, George, four or more threes at 5.50 boosted has been popular this morning. I can tell you as far as rugby union goes, very early money going to the Crusaders for Friday's match at one twenty. And the NRL match, of course, is tomorrow. It is the Penrith Panthers head-to-head at $1.34. That takes money. $1,000 put on them. And 76% of the head-to-head betting is going their way. And just quickly on the Greyhounds, in the space looks a really nice multi-play in the first at $1.80. cents. $1.80, the favourite in the first. So uh, good multi-play. Hey, Pip, uh, thanks very much for that. Uh, you have a terrific day. And uh, the cynics is... Um, uh, Ryan says the cynic in me. Uh, Smithy says Razor getting what he uh, wanted and what he planned. Rumours circled about all these roles that he has been headhunted for. He didn't get any of them and held New Zealand rugby to ransom. Uh, put aside his coaching CV. If the cynic in me is right, it doesn't doesn't sit well. He, d- he talked the talk and danced the dance. Uh, let's see if he's as good as he says he is. Right. Okay, well, he's uh, certainly very positive, um, and that's uh, the way that you would want him going in. But, uh, Ryan, uh, what I've learnt this morning, uh, what I've learnt this morning is not everyone is a Razor Robertson supporter. Uh, That's been plain. Uh, Yes, Ricardo. Turn up the volume. We're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Wow. Uh, some uh, news, uh, Smithy, that, that will not please you. I won't please a lot. And the New Zealand Olympic Committee statement on it is uh, certainly uh, reflecting that. Zane Robertson, New Zealand's long-distance runner who represented it New Zealand at the Rio 2016 and Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games and the Glasgow 2014 Olympic Games, has been given two four-year bans for doping. This is just coming. Wow. Uh, so this is the, the official statement from the NZOC. The New Zealand Olympic Committee responds to the two four-year bans received by distance runner Zane Robertson today. The offences committed by Zane Robertson are deeply disappointing and his actions go against everything the New Zealand team stands for. We condemn all forms of doping. Every athlete has the right to compete on an even playing field and Robertson's actions have undermined the integrity of sport. We thank Drug Free New Zealand, uh, Drug Free Sport New Zealand for their commitment to supporting the New Zealand athletes who are proud to compete cleanly. We acknowledge Athletics New Zealand, DFSNZ and High Performance Sports New Zealand for extending wellbeing support to Robinson. Nikki Nicol, the CEO and Secretary General of the New Zealand Olympic Committee. That is very bad news for a number of reasons. Um, one, we can no longer point the finger at anyone else. Mm. If one of our high-profile sporting pe- people has been found to do that, we really can't be pointing the finger at anyone else. Uh, and on another uh, slightly separate issue to side to that, it, it's not fair on um, everyone else that's worn the black singlet um, and uh, done so well uh, in the Olympics over the years. 
to have those sort of things uh, cast upon them now, and they don't deserve that. So we're talking about the 0.5 percenter here doing a lot of damage to the 99.5 percent, and that is uh, the issue which uh, is particularly ugly about that. But guilty and uh, two four-year bans consecutively, eight years. That'll be the end of his career as such. Not that he'd have been welcomed back anyway. But bad news, uh, and not something that Athletics New Zealand would be wanting to talk about. Uh, right, uh, it is 11.31 here on SENZ. Uh, time to take a break uh, and uh, hear from uh, Aroha with some news. Wayne Bennett, the Dolphins, 73. Roy Hodgson, 75? Yeah, and he retired. You know, he left he left Palace and retired so they could put Patrick Vieira in there, who had been at Nice in France. Um, didn't That hasn't worked out. Apparently Vieira was too nice. He even sacked, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name now, who was uh, a former club captain at Palace, was part of the coaching staff, uh, took him for coffee and sacked him for being too harsh on the players in the dressing room after losses. And, um, yeah, they haven't won a game this year so 12 yeah, twelve Premier League games they haven't had a win um, and uh, that was enough so the ball got rid of him uh, but Hodgson you know he retired and then Watford brought him out of retirement to do something for them and he looked then like he was already retired I remember the last game of the season when Watford got relegated he sat on the bench in his sunglasses and didn't get off the bench once and never made a substitution <laughs> so I don't know how much they're going to get out of Roy to be honest it's, it's an interesting call because they're 12th but everybody from 12th to 20th is basically in a relegation scrap at the moment. Yeah, they are. Uh, and it's a very interesting point, actually. Uh, there are something like eight teams or nine teams in a situation where they're divided by three points, which is quite rare. Uh, looking at the, the EPL table, Arsenal just starting to, to sort of work, work themselves into another advantageous situation. Uh, on the back of the fact that they were just losing that at one point? Yeah, I think so. Uh, they, they had they had a stumble, and I think everybody thought, oh, is this the... Is this the uh, you know the 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 cracks that we thought? But they've managed to get through it. I think signing Jorginho in in the summer window, uh, sorry, in the mid season window from Chelsea uh, gave them a, uh, some experience in midfield and some extra legs there. Uh, now Gabriel Jesus, who got injured at the World Cup for Brazil is back fit as well so they've got another option up front and yeah they're looking uh, they're looking very good now Arsenal and their run for the next little while is not too bad they do have to play Manchester City at Manchester City still and they do mm. have to play Liverpool shortly as well um, but I mean if they I mean who knows what you're going to get with Liverpool they, they're a different team mm. every day uh, but if they can, you know, even if they drop points to uh, to Manchester City, I don't think it, it'll harm them too much because uh, at the moment they're, they're looking um, pretty solid. And, you know, their next uh, few games that they've got coming up, um, they look like they should they should probably be um, be okay. I, I think that the, there's just not enough time now for, for Manchester City to catch them. No, Okay. Domestically, domestically uh, of concern to me um, is uh, the Phoenix getting a hiding. I mean, they, they were well beaten here. They conceded um, an own goal early on in the piece. There was a lot of criticism in the commentary of uh, Ollie Sale's early performance in the match. In the end, he uh, conceded five goals. 
Um, worst performance for quite some time. How did you read that? Yeah, it was. I, I talked uh, yesterday to Callan Elliott, who's uh, been called up out of the Phoenix for the All Whites. I went to the All Whites Hotel and, and caught up with a few of the players. Um, and he said they're treating it very much as a flush it down the dunny, as Steve Hansen would say, and move on. Um, it's a mm. blip. I mean, so their last three games before that, they beat uh, the defending champions, Western United, 3 0. Uh, they drew one all with Central Coast, who was second at the time. They beat the Newcastle Jets 2 1, uh, and they had a 1 0 win over Sydney FC. So, leading into that, they were having some good results. Interesting, you mentioned Ollie Sale, though. He's confirmed that he's going to be playing for Perth Glory next season. You've got five games left of the regular season. And I'm not questioning his uh, loyalty to the club for the rest of this season, but where's his head? Where's his head at, you know? Mm. And is that something that could, that, that, that could be uh, an issue for the Phoenix going forward? Oh, look, I, I, I would hope, being a professional footballer and getting paid still to be a professional footballer for the Phoenix, that his head should be there. I mean, and pride and performance as a custodian would say, you know, um, if I have a flat patch now, I'm letting myself down, I'm letting the team down. And I'm not enhancing my reputation because he's not actually a given to start for Perth, is he? No, he's not. He's not, is he? No, they've got a young guy over there who they've been giving lots of starts this season who looks a promising, a really promising keeper. So, I mean, Perth haven't been going great guns this season. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the signing of Ollie, it's a head-scratcher for me from his point of view, unless it's purely about money. Or he knows something that we don't for next year. Now, Tony Sage, who owns the Perth Glory, is not that popular with the fans. Um, the last two coaches he's appointed have been ex-players who don't have much coaching experience. But I mm. did catch up with Danny Milosevic. I don't know if you remember him. He was goalkeeper, Australian goalkeeper. He played for Celtic for some time. Uh, and I think he played a bit at Leeds as well. He is the goalkeeping coach at Perth Glory. And I talked to him during the season for the Phoenix Nation show and asked him if he'd been talking to Danny Hay because they'd been teammates and they were good friends. And Danny Hay's wife, uh, her family are from Perth. And from what I understand, Danny's in Perth at the moment. So I said, have you been talking to Danny uh, about uh, getting some intel on the Phoenix ahead of the game? And he got really cagey. Up until that point, he'd been you know, talking about all sorts. And then he got really cagey. So I do wonder whether or not... And this, I've got no, no, I've got no basis for this other than this conversation and the fact that Danny's over in Perth at the moment is whether or not they're looking at a rebuild at Perth and maybe there'll be one D Hay uh, involved in the coaching Ooh. setup. Wow, that's a big one. That's a really big call. And on the subject of that, uh, I was just out of the corner of my eye seeing a byline a lot earlier this morning on uh, one of the television breakfast shows. Darren Baisley to be confirmed, do you think? Well, yeah, that would not surprise me at all. Uh, the players like Baisley, they know him. Um, and then on the flip side of that, you know, you talk about NZR not doing a great job with their coaching appointment. Well, New Zealand football, I think, uh, were had a bit by John Herdman. Um, he's got a much better and longer deal um, with Canadian football off the off the back of the rumours that New Zealand he was talking to New Zealand football. Um, and the other two that were on the list that I knew of were Des Buckingham who said to New Zealand Football, hey, look, the Indian club that I'm coaching at the moment have offered me a new deal. Can you match or better this? And I'll, I'll, con- I'll consider it. And they, New Zealand Football said, actually, you're not our number one candidate, so don't worry. So he signed a new deal. And then Ufuk Tale was also told he's not the number one candidate. And when uh, the Herdman thing fell over and they went back to Ufuk, he was like, yeah, no, that, that ship sailed. I'm moving on. So I wonder how many options they have. Hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, maybe forced into a corner. 
uh, a real corner there. Uh, Ricardo, thanks for that. We'll take a, a breather. Uh, we have to now uh, come back to and talk to uh, Andy Thompson, of course, because uh, being Wednesday, it is uh, Rural Roundup Day and uh, what's going on uh, in the agricultural sector of our economy. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, coming up to uh, 11.46 here on SENZ, uh, 14 minutes away from uh, Mark Stafford taking over on uh, some of our stations, but on the other ones, of course, the rural sector in particular will be entertained by Andy Thompson, and it's a Rural Roundup Day. Uh, Andy, in uh, two words, uh, I listened to uh, one of your little uh, pieces uh, on the radio this morning. Uh, the two words that kept coming back out of it, methane emissions, methane emissions. And I see you're back, in, you're back at home in the coast th- today. I am, mate. I am back on the coast. Had a couple of fantastic days at the Central District Field Days up in uh, CD last week. Bought some shows from there and uh, heading off to the um, South Island Field Days in Kirwi next week. So three shows uh, coming from there. So uh, getting around the country a little bit. But I love Field Days, Smithy. Uh, there's just something mm. about them uh, to get out and talk to farmers and to just have a you know a real good catch up. Uh, it's it's brilliant. But you're right. Methane emissions is a massive topic. That IPC. IPCC report yesterday that says 44% of New Zealand's emissions basically um, or uh, come from agriculture uh, is a massive topic for New Zealand farmers. And um, let's put it this way, um, there's not a lot of farmers, well, there's, there's a real debate amongst farmers about the best way for New Zealand farmers to be part of this uh, part of the solution. In fact, interestingly enough today, Smithy, at 2pm uh, there's an election, beef and lamb election, um, two directors you've got Andrew Morrison who's the current chairman of beef and lamb mm-hmm. is being cha- uh, being stood by, um, uh, competed against by Geoffrey Young who was the former president of South and Federated Farmers and basically this is groundswell South and Federated Farmers having a real crack at the direction that beef and lamb has been taking uh, on this whole Hawaka Rekanoa thing and it's not, you know, to put too fine a point on it, there is a real divide in farm uh, at the moment in the farming sector between what should New Zealand farming be doing when it comes to its emissions. Um, so whether it's carbon dioxide or methane and uh, yeah, it's this battle or this this debate, this discussion isn't over yet. The Central District's Field Days, uh, an interesting one, a very popular one as you say and you love the, the feel about it, getting out and about amongst them, but was it a spending Field Days? My, my, my information says the farmers are just uh, holding on at this point a wee bit. Very tricky time. Smithy, very, very tricky time in agriculture, like the rest of us actually. The cost of living that's being felt, you know, around the country with our urban cousins and friends, um, it's a bit the same in agriculture. Payer um, prices have been good, but uh, if you're worried about uh, if you're worried about your own inflation at seven percent, on farm inflation has been around fifteen percent, and in the dairy sector it's been closer to twenty. In fact, some people saying twenty three percent. You're up to a quarter there um, now. Payout has been good, you know, but but with those costs rising, farmers are very, very concerned. And coupled with that, as we've all seen, interest rates are rising as well. So um, in answer to your question, I think it was a, a field days where people did a lot of looking and a lot of talking. I think they bought the things they really, really had to buy, but I don't think there were any big extravagant purchases uh, around the place. So I think it was probably one of those ones where a lot of research was done, if you want to put it that way. Um, I talked to a few of the stalls and stands there that um, kind of sell the more nice-to-have sort of stuff, uh, and they mm. weren't doing they weren't doing that good. Um, 
tractor sales in the first three months of this year have plummeted by by 50 percent so i think that tells you where the farmer's sentiment is at the moment when it comes to purchasing yeah very very tough and indeed uh okay then now on your show today andy what are we looking forward to well there's a big discussion uh, amongst farmers about where, nation, where the National Party is going. Uh, putting Todd McClay as agriculture spokesman, let's just say, has stirred a lot of discussion. Todd McClay, is, um, his strength is actually in, uh, um, in trade. Uh, he's not a farmer, never has been a farmer. Um, Todd Muller's res- uh, resignation last Thursday, I think, has caused a huge amount of surprise and dismay amongst, well, some parts of the farming sector as well. So, um, does National have, is it still the Farmers Party, you know, or is that going to act? Um, so we're going to be talking about that quite a bit. Uh, Wayne Langford from Federated Farmers, uh, you'll be pleased to hear about this, Smithy. The Farmy Army is kicking into gear in your region. So um, we know there's a lot of fencing to get done, a lot of clearing. So the Farmy Army, we're going to talk to Wayne about that. He's the adverse event spokesperson, uh, Vice President, Federated Farmers. Uh, what are they going to do and how's the Farmy Army going to work? Uh, bit, of t- bit of sport with Telfer, um, as we always do. And then there's a fantastic award that's held um, each year called the Xander McDonald Award. Um, and it's an Australasian award. And we've got the winner for the 2023 event, a lovely young lady uh, called Harriet Bremner. And we're going to do a bit of weather with uh, Ben Noll later on from Neewa later in the show. So plenty to come. Sure does. That uh, sounds like a very full hour coming up for Andy Thompson on the Rural Roundup. We'll let Andy go. Um, and uh, we shall uh, try and catch up with uh, Mark Stafford. I think he's out and about. I don't think he's in the Auckland studio, from what I can see. He may be he's in on the road himself a wee bit. In fact, I just hear through, he's in Christchurch. Staffy's in Christchurch. Uh, he might have a, a one-on-one with uh, Razor. They're probably Staff's always had a reputation for being close with the important people, uh, so maybe that's the reason he's gone down there. It's a breakdance party and Staff's part of it. That's what the rumour's saying. Uh, incidentally, too, uh, Zane Robertson, uh, Ricardo, outlined the fact that he's just uh, copped eight years of uh, worth of a ban. Um, <coughs> a couple of uh, ticks have come in. Uh, he's a middle distance runner, by the way, folks, and he's been caught for doping. Um, Smithy, we need to get real on doping, says Toby. At the highest level, they're all on it. The more money you have, the better your chance of getting away with it. It's as simple as that. And Brett, um, in another sort of uh, way, has come in and said, I guess that's what happens when you train. In Kenya. Mm. Interesting. Interesting, gentlemen. Thanks very much for that. Yeah. Uh, Ricardo? Yeah, and I was just going to say, too, uh, tune in at uh, 12, well, stay tuned in, but uh, Staffy 1225 is going to have the head of the New Zealand Olympic Committee on, on, on Zane Robertson, too. So. Oh, right. Instant reaction. Fantastic. 11.52. Uh, we'll be back shortly.